Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. There's one message from my heart that I would want to share with you, that I would want to leave with you, it's this, possess the promise. Possess the promise. Um... Tell your neighbor, possess the promise. Um, you know, as we were, as, as we're um, continuing to just trust the Lord and, and follow Him and be obedient to what He says, um, that this, this is the message that um, has been on my heart and that the Lord has just continually spoke to me repeatedly over and over again. Possess the promise. Um, because I think what, what happens a lot of times is in our life, When we meet Jesus for the very first time, it's this overwhelmingly exciting, joyous encounter because um, we're we're being lifted out of this horrible, hopeless, impossible, overwhelming, um, depressing situations oftentimes in life to this realization that there is a God, that He is alive, and that He has a plan. And... um, I, I, when I look at when I look at this story of of the Israelites and when God brought them out of captivity in Egypt, uh, Egypt oftentimes to me represents where we were before we had the Lord, uh, bound in sin, enslaved to sin. Um, we were all born into sin. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, there's no one that's better. There's no one that's worse. We're just all bad. Tell your neighbor you're just bad. And, um, and so what it, doesn't, it just takes the pressure off of trying to be perfect and trying to have it all together when you just know, I'm just bad. That's just all there is to it, and it's simple. And it's because of the grace of Jesus and the power of his love and, and the blood that he shed on the cross that we have this freedom to experience life, that we have this encounter with God that shows us that you're not called, you are not created, you are not put on this earth to live enslaved to sin. You are not called, you are not created, you are not put on this earth to live in a constant state of hopelessness and despair. You were called, you were created before you were even in your mother's womb. God knew you and had a plan and a purpose for your life. The Israelites were never intended to spend 400 years enslaved. That's not who they were. They were God's chosen people, called, set apart. People who had been given a promise through Abraham, who had been given a covenant promise of God. And the Lord heard the cries of their heart and he lifted them out and set them free. And so there's that salvation encounter that we have with God that he sets us free. And it brings us into this, uh, it brings us into this process of discovering now who we are. And it brings, us into, it brings us into the wilderness. If you look at the story of the Israelites and the time that they spent going through the desert as they were making their way to the promised land, time and time again, they struggled with their identity of who they were. And you see that in the way that they act and the way that they respond to the situations that they're faced with. <laughs> because... Just as God reminded them in Egypt when he saved them, when he miraculously saved them, when he reminded them of the promise that he has for them, and he brings them into the wilderness in this process of moving from being enslaved and imprisoned in this 
world of sin to walking out the promise and the identity of who they are as the children of God in this process, they constantly struggle with understanding and knowing who they are. And time and time again, they choose to revert back to who they were instead of who God had called them to be. And so over and over and over again, you see the Lord getting frustrated because he says, I called you out of that. I called you out of that. I called you out of that. That's not who you are. Trust me. They saw him part the Red Sea. They saw him drown Pharaoh's army. They saw him send plagues upon the land of Egypt in order to to turn Pharaoh's heart so that he would let the people of Israel go. And time and time again, they still struggled to be confident in who they were as the children of God, as his chosen people. And this is what happens. This is, I'm convinced this is what happens in the church. We go from that glorious salvation encounter and we see the miracles and we see the things that God can do, but we never actually possess the promise of who he's called us to be. Because when it comes to possessing the promised land, the giants seem too big and the battle seems too much and we don't feel that we have enough in order to be able to secure a victory. Friends, let me tell you this morning, you and I can't secure the victory. You and I can't win the battle. But can I give you, can I let you in on on a secret? We sang about it already. The battle's not yours, and the victory's already been won. He already won. And And the truth is this, I think what oftentimes happens in our lives as believers and as the church, we are the church, amen? Tell your neighbor, you're the church. Beautiful buildings that God's blessed us with, and I'm thankful for them so that we can meet together. But this ain't it. You're the church. And what happens is, is oftentimes as the church, is we get stuck in the wilderness, and we never experience the promised land. And so what happens is, is we live in this constant state of just barely enough and just barely getting by, instead of in the blessings and the excess that God has for us as his children. Are you following me this morning? And so if there was a message from my heart that I'd share with you this morning, it's this. Possess the promise. Don't settle for the desert. Don't settle for the desert. No matter what, no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter how big the giant, no matter how big the need, no matter how impossible the miracle, no matter how strong the attack of the enemy that's against you, no matter how impossible it may seem to you, to actually live in and be who God's called you to be, I challenge you this morning, do not settle for the desert. Do not settle for a half understanding of who you are or a half promise of what God has for you. Go all the way. Tell your neighbor, go all the way. Because there's something that happens when you and I make a decision to go all in with Jesus. It's the moment that we decide we know who we are and who he's called us to be, and we begin to experience the promises of what he has for us. This is similarly what happened when Joshua and the children of Israel followed the Lord. Tell your neighbor, you got to follow Jesus. They followed the Lord, and they crossed over the Jordan on dry ground. Chapter 5, verse number 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Can I just tell you, when you and I say yes to Jesus and we go all in with God, it makes the enemy nervous. Because what he knows in that moment is that you and I have had a revelation and a realization of who we are. 
I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Mm. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gebeth Haraloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised. But all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died. Since they had not obeyed the Lord. Obedience is key. Obedience is key. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land He had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So He raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. If you don't have that, uh, that last verse... 11 and 12, last verses, 11 and 12, underline or highlight it in your Bible. I want to challenge you to do so. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next few moments of time that you'd speak to our heart from your word, that God would be challenged and refreshed by the power of your Holy Spirit, that God, we would all rise up in the confidence and the identity of who you have called us and established to be as your church, as your people, walking in the power and the authority and the anointing of heaven to see the lost saved, the sick healed, the dead raised, and the bound set free. God, we thank you that this is your church, that, Lord, you are fulfilling your will, that, God, your kingdom is coming, not only in this place, but in this city. Lord, we ask that you continue to fulfill your will and your kingdom in this house and in our lives. Lord, I pray even now into the preaching of your word that you would, you would save those who are lost, that you would heal those who are sick, that, God, those who are bound would be set free, and that we would experience the power of your word at work within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Tell your neighbor, possess the promise. You know, when it, comes to taking, when it comes to taking possession of something, it can oftentimes seem like a foreign thing. But the truth is, is the possession of the promise, especially for the Israelites that they were taking hold of, the land that they were going, that they were pursuing, was a land that they had been after for some time. The time that they had spent in the wilderness had constantly plagued them with a, a, a sense of, of not understanding who they were. But the Lord had, had finally established a promise with his people and had fulfilled that promise. And it was time now for the Israelites to get up and move from that place of wilderness, from that place of desert experience, into the promised land of what God had established. But what had to happen in that moment, I love this passage in Joshua because this is what the Lord showed me. There are three things that have to happen in order for you and I to be able to possess the land. Number one is this, know who you are. Tell your neighbor, you have to know who you are. One of the greatest challenges that we have in the church today is that we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. We think we know who we are. 
But the problem is this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we forget that God says he'll raise up a standard against him. We forget when we have a bad report. We forget when we have a negative response. We forget when we're faced with the impossible, when we're faced with, uh, when we're faced with the unexpected, we forget who we are and who God has established us to be because we don't know who we are. The truth is this. The moment that you say yes to Jesus, that I say yes to Jesus, there's a shift. There's a transformation that happens because you go from an orphan to God to a son of God. You become adopted as a child of God. You become, in that moment, immediately a part of the family of heaven. And I got news for you this morning. Jesus is awesome. And to be a part of his family is one of the best things that you will ever experience on the face of the planet Earth. Because I, I got news for you. He's the coolest person that ever was. And he's the coolest person that will ever be. And there's nobody like him. You know, we spend our whole life chasing after all of these things that the world says will, will give us happiness. We spend our whole lives comparing ourselves to how everyone else is doing it and how everyone else has done it. And we try to follow the same line of thinking and the same way of thinking. But the truth is, is when you and I said yes to Jesus, we became children of God. So there was a new way for us to live and a new line for us to follow. There was a new way for us to begin to compare the seasons and circumstances and situations of our life. It was no longer based on what it used to be, but now it's based on what he says it is. He said, for I know the plans I have for you in Jeremiah. He also said in Jeremiah that he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He also reminds you that you are a holy people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood that's set apart and called by God, that you have a hope, that you have a future, that he has plans for who you are. If you look at the world around us today, everyone is trying to figure out who they are and where they belong. And what happens is, is when we go back to the Word of God and we understand the foundation of who we are as children of God and the promises from Abraham all the way through of what God established and the things that God had planned and the things that God has purposed, we discover who we are in Christ and who He's called us to be because we have a realization that we are children of God. Here's the thing. When you and I realize and we know who we are as children of God, our response to the situations and the circumstances around us are different. Because as his children, we realize that we have a certain status. We have a certain place. We have certain access that the rest of the world doesn't have. Because when the enemy... And the enemy's attempts to steal, kill, and destroy come in our lives. We recognize what it is, and we respond in perfect peace because we know who's in control. What oftentimes happen is the, happens in the church is because we have not stepped over into the place of possessing the promise of the Lord, is we begin to allow fear, and we begin to allow doubt, and we begin to allow worry to control our lives and the reactions to the situations that we face. But when we know who we are, when the impossible comes, when the unexpected comes, Jesus said, in this life, you will face trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We know who he is, and we know who we are because of the revelation that we had with salvation and we have this confidence to know that every promise in his word is for me 
And what happens when the unexpected and the, and the impossible comes is we respond as Jesus would respond. Think about the disciples when they were on the boat. Jesus had told them he wanted to cross over onto the other side. He went into the bottom of the boat and went to sleep. What did the disciples do? A storm came up. The winds began to rage. The waves began to crash against the side of the boat. Where was Jesus? Asleep. Do you know why Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm? He wasn't afraid. Do you know why he wasn't afraid? Because he knew who he was. See, the difference in knowing who you are and what you've been called to and the purpose that you have will give you the confidence when you face the impossible and the storms that are in your life. Do you know why the disciples who were followers of Jesus didn't have the same level of faith because they hadn't yet had the realization of who they were? But when you know who you are and who you're called to be, and you know what you've been called and you've been commissioned to do, it changes the way that you approach and that you handle the situations that you face. There's, there's a difference in how, you, in, in how you address your kids when they're out of line and how you address someone else's when they're out of line. I know, I watched my parents when other kids would be out of line. Oh, you probably shouldn't do that. Connor Michael Davis, I mean, there was a huge shift that happened. There was a total difference. Why? Because they, they knew who I was. I belonged to them. And there's a difference in our life when we know who we are and who we belong to. And the problem that we have oftentimes in the body of Christ is we forget who we are. And when the enemy comes, we immediately begin to panic and we immediately begin to stress out and we immediately begin to worry and we toss and turn all night long and we pace back and forth and we Google and Google and Google and Google and Google and Google instead of taking the word of God and reading promise after promise after promise after promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I've called you and I've set you apart. You are chosen. You have a purpose. You have an inheritance. You have a promise. I have healing for you. I have freedom for you. I have hope for you. Instead of taking every other, every other approach that the world has, what would happen as believers if we would possess the promise and realize, I am who he says I am as a child of God. I belong to his chosen people who are set, who are called, who are chosen, who have been placed on this earth for such a time as this. I'm here for a mission and a purpose. And when my time has come, I'm walking into an inheritance that'll never spoil, that'll never perish, that'll never fade because he has called me and I have a place to go when this time has come. Uh, listen, when there's a shift, when you know who you are, you respond differently to the unexpected situations that have happened in your life. We belong as children of God, as chosen people, Israel. It's incredible the things that you find that you discover when you realize and you study the heritage and you study the understanding and the revelation of what that means. Because when the unexpected comes, you respond differently to your situation. What would happen in the church is instead of responding to all of the things the way the rest of the world does, if we responded with the confidence of who we are as the children of God. I don't have to worry because I know who's in control. We spend more time worrying about money and our health than anything else. One of, divorce is, is crazy through the roof in our country today. One of the biggest problems of that, I believe, are two things. One, an identity crisis. We don't know who we are. And we try to engage in a covenant relationship that only adds further tension and chaos to the fact that we don't know who we are. And the second is stress, financial and health. And what happens is, is in those moments, we add, here's the deal. When we enter into those, when we, when we understand the revelation of who we are, how we handle ourselves in every relationship changes. Because we no longer base the outcome of those situations and those circumstances on who we are and the future that we have, but rather the realization that everything I have belongs to Him. 
You're a child of God. I'm a child of God. What do you have to fear? Paul said it. The word reminds us of it over and over again. If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you know how the Israelites were able to go and possess the promised land? They knew who they were. They had had the realization that we are the children of God. When, when, they, cross over to the, uh, when they cross over to the other side, two things happen. One, they, they had a realization of who they were. And, and there's a couple ways that God did that. One, through the Jordan River that was stopped up and they crossed over on dry land. The second part of that was the circumcision that God had them follow through. Now, if you understand what circumcision is, it's a painful process for all the men in the room. Amen. Circumcision was God's covenant promise that he made with Abraham. Listen, it's in your Bible, okay? I'm just talking about what's in the Bible. Don't get all tense on me now, all right? <laughs> oh, dear. So, so God's, God's promise to, to Abraham... The blessing that God gave him, God gave that promise to Abraham before Abraham was circumcised. So when you understand in the New Testament, when Paul talks about it, he talks about how you re- we receive the promise through faith. Abraham received the promise through faith. And so thankfully, Jesus fulfilled the covenant and the laws and the requirements of it. And through that, through that process and through faith, we have access to the things that God has established. But the truth is, is there's still a requirement for us in order to possess the promise. If, if, we, live under the, if we live under the belief, if we live under the understanding that because I said yes to Jesus, it's just going to be easy from here on out and everything's just going to happen, I got news for you. I mean, can you imagine how victorious the camp of Israel was when they crossed over the Jordan and they were on the other side and then Joshua came up and made the announcement, I need all the men of military age to make their way over. Today you're circumcised. What did I sign up for again? I thought we were coming to possess the promised land. I didn't think there was anything that had to do. And what happened was, see, the thing about the, thing about the covenant promise and what it, what it did in that moment was it reminded them of who they were. Because the covenant promise that God had made with Abraham was the promise that he had still made for his people and he still makes for us today. The difference is, is we receive that through salvation in Jesus Christ through the blood that was shed through water baptism. Listen, if you haven't been water baptized, you're doing yourself a great disservice. We're having it. November 17th, sign up. I'll baptize you right there in that tank. It'll change your life. Because here's the deal. If you've, been sa- if you've said yes to Jesus and you're saved, there were two instructions. How can we be saved on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached? How can we be saved? Repent and be baptized. I didn't say anything about a prayer. There's an election. i got to hurry. <laughs> Repent and be baptized. Every single one. Why? So when we are baptized, what happens in that moment is it is a spiritual act of obedience of crucifying the flesh and being resurrected as the new creation that God has established us to be. With the Lord, there are things that will cost us in order to possess the promise. But if we'll trust Him and obey, we'll experience the promise of what God has established for our life. Not only did the Israelites know Him, but the, the, the result of possessing the promise was they had to follow Him. Tell your neighbor, you got to follow Him. 
In order to experience what God has, we have to be willing to follow. Following Jesus will cost you something. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, Paul reminds us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is our spiritual act of worship. He's not saying lay yourself on an altar and sacrifice yourself. That's not the word. But what he's asking for is a willingness from our heart and from our lives to say, Jesus, whatever you want, I'll do it. And here's the deal. In the, in the church today, I'm convinced that one of the reasons that we're, not, that, that we're not willing to do that is because we're afraid of what it'll ask us to give. But can I tell you something? If you're not willing to follow him, you can't experience what he has to offer you. You've got to be willing to follow him. It does not change. Here's the difference. It does not change the fact that if you say yes to Jesus and believe that he is the Lord and the Savior of this world, of your life, that you're saved. But the difference will be this. You can walk in the promises and the power of what his word has to offer in your life if you're willing to follow him. And can I tell you, my my mom would say it like this all the time, obedience is better than sacrifice. Because in following Jesus, there may be some things you have to sacrifice, but can I tell you, there ain't no better blessing on earth than the blessings he has. He says, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much, for will your father, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who love him? What did Jesus say was about loving him? He said, obey my commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And the second commandment that he gave was like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people, and follow him. It's that simple. And what happens in our life is what we begin to cross over and we begin to experience the promises of what God has for us. Do you know what happened? I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry this morning. Do you know what happened when, do you know what happened when they, they made a decision to follow him? When God told Joshua it's time and they crossed over, they got ready and they crossed over? What happened is this. They, they, there, was a, there was a shift in how they lived every single day. Possessing the promise of God in our life is not a matter of whether or not we're going to say yes to Jesus and receive the salvation that he has for us. It's whether or not we're going to go to the next level. I've said this a million times before, and I'll say it again. I don't want to spend my life living in the desert, wondering, hoping that maybe I'll just make it. (laughs) Because I don't know if you know this or not, Jesus didn't walk around wondering or hoping if he was going to just make it. If you watch his ministry, I love the way that Jesus talked and I love the way he walked and I love the way he lived because he was just as calm and he was just as normal about it as he could be until he went to the temple. <laughs> That's another sermon. He came in, he came in and he he lived in the confidence of who he was as the son of God. He was confident in who he was. And there were times that people would accuse him of being prideful, that they would accuse him of being arrogant. But the difference was is he was confident in who he was. When you're confident, when I'm confident in who we are as the children of God, what happens is when we're faced with the impossible, we respond out of faith instead of out of fear. And when God says, come, we go. I love that Peter, and, and the moment when he decided to get out of the boat, when Jesus had come to him on the water and, he, and he, Peter walked on water. How many of you have heard that Bible story before? You know, and he walked, he, he walked out. Do you know what happened? Uh, do you know why Peter began to sink? He began to sink, sank. Ooh. Living in L.A. today, sank. <laughs> he sanked. 
why Peter began to sink. Do you know why? Do you know why he began to sink? Do you know why? Because he took his eyes off Jesus. The reason that Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, is because if what we live for in our life is who we are in Christ, and we follow him every single day, we can't help but be blessed. Tell your neighbor, you're blessed. Tell your neighbor, you're blessed. The problem is, is that too many times in our life we forget how blessed we are because we don't know who we are or we haven't followed him. And in and, and this, and this passage of Scripture, God gave clear instructions for Joshua. And the purpose of it was so that they could possess the promise of what he had. This is what happened in verse number 11. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land, and there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. This is, this is what the Lord said to me when I... When I read this, the third point, experience the promise. This is what the Lord said. When you know who you are and you follow me, you can move from limited provision to limitless blessings. What happened in the Israelites' lives when they crossed over the Jordan, when they, knew, when they had the, the realization of who they were, that they were called to possess the promised land, that that was their destiny, that that is what God had established and what he had promised. When they, knew, when they knew who they were and they followed him in obedience, they moved from limited provision to unlimited blessings. God did not call you to just barely make it to heaven. God did not call me to just barely make it to heaven. In fact, he said he would establish his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. In fact, he said that we would do even greater things than he had done. He said that his church would be a light in the midst of darkness, that his church would see the lost saved and the sick healed and the bound set free and the dead raised. What he said and what he had spoke was that not only would we not just barely get by, but that we would walk in the blessings of heaven to the point that we would be able to walk into the situations and circumstances of other people's storms and say, listen, I know of a man whose name is Jesus. He's the savior of the world. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has a plan for your life. You don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to barely get by like this anymore. You can walk in the blessings and the promises and the benefits of what he's established for your life. The Israelites went from daily provisions from heaven to an abundance because they had possessed the promised land that God had established. This is what happens too many times in the church. We live for day to day instead of the abundance of what God has. And he says, if you'll seek first the kingdom, know who you are, Follow after me, you'll experience the promise. Listen, don't settle for just getting by. Because what happens in that moment is we're so worried about today that we can't see what God has ahead and in store. We get so worried about our day-to-day provision that we don't have the revelation that not only is today covered and tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and the week after this and the month after this and the year after that, but what happens is we become so focused and so concerned with what's right in front of us. And we get so overwhelmed with worry and with fear that we never walk in the identity and the promise of who God has called us to be. You're called 
to heal the sick. You're called to see the lost saved. You're called. It's not just me. It's not just, it's not just the staff. It's not just this board. It's every single person who has said yes to Jesus. That's what you're called to do. To live every day in the peace and the confidence of knowing who is in control because of whose you are. I don't have to worry. My dad's got it covered. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Man, I remember, I, I remember this first starting out. You know, if I just had enough money to make it back home to mom and dad's, I was good. They're listening. They're probably laughing right now. I had a, if I just had enough, if I could just get home, I was fine. I didn't have. Isn't that, wasn't that what the prodigal son said when he woke up at the pig trough that day, eating the slop that the pigs were eating? And he said, why am I living like this? Even the servants of my father are treated better than this. Can I tell, <laughs> even the servants of your heavenly father live better than what some of us do. Why? Because they have the peace of knowing who's in control. They have the confidence of knowing who has them day in and day out. You are a child of God and he has a plan for your life.